Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, welcome in. It is Wednesday, April the 22nd. This is Winning Cures Everything. I'm Gary. Chris. And we are going to talk a whole lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. Once we get through the intro, I'm going to bring in our buddy TJ Reeves, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter and the host of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll give a proper introduction when he gets here. But yeah, we're talking Gronk. We're talking the Tampa Bay Bucks draft. We're talking all kinds of stuff. Uh, because a lot of people are interested in that right now, along with Tom Brady being down there. This is kind of the it franchise, and we're going to dive into it. Uh, but first things first, go over to winningcureseverything.com. All of our picks, previews, podcasts, videos, social media platforms are over there. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You can catch the show every day, Monday through Friday, on Twitch, on Periscope. Both of those are at GaryWCE. You can find us on YouTube and on Facebook, Winning Cures Everything there. And you can get the podcast, any of your favorite podcast apps. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you leave a nice comment or a nice review. We would always appreciate that. And uh, and share the show out. Tell your buddies about it. We would definitely appreciate that. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central Time, we are coming to you live from right here, right where we are, along with our buddies from the Westlot Pirates. We're going to be discussing the NFL draft. We are going to go over the stuff that happens in the first hour. Uh, it starts at 7 and and then we're going to come on at 8, and we're going to talk you through the rest of the first round of the draft. And really, we're just going to bullshit for two and a half hours about football. And it doesn't get any better than that. Michael's already jumped in on Twitch. What's up, fellas? Happy early draft day. Happy early draft day, indeed. It is, uh, it's a good time. It is definitely a good time. So we hope that you will join us 8 p.m. Central Time on Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, and YouTube. You can always catch the podcast later on Westlot Pirates. They are going to put it on their feed. And uh, let, let's go ahead and call in TJ, and we're going to talk about some Tampa Bay Buccaneers and see what's going on. So McKinnon jumps in. Looking forward to tomorrow night, gents. Loved it last year. Wouldn't miss it. Absolutely. Congrats on McKinnon, baby. Oh, yeah. Believe that. Hello. TJ Reeves, how are you, brother? Well, it is always good to be with my winning cures dudes. Um I don't know if there's anything that we really have to talk about about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is there? <laughs> not not a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can thank my boy Tom. You thank my boy Tom wow. for just bringing nothing but greatness to Tampa. Well, <laughs> and, and girl, by the way, <laughs> let's uh, let's just say that uh, that would have been a very interesting couple of phone calls to be on. Number one, Brady and Gronkowski discussing him coming out of retirement. I mean, let us not forget, the man just won the 24-7 WWE wrestling title at WrestleMania like two weeks ago, and and now suddenly is Bamo back in the NFL. So that would have been a very interesting conversation. And then, oh, to have been a listening party when Brady hangs up the phone and calls Buccaneer General Manager Jason White. Hey, Jason, uh, I just talked to Gronk, and you might want to call the New England Patriots and make a trade. <laughs> I, I love it. Unbelievable. Uh, that, that, that would be wild uh, to have been on one or both of those phone calls on, on how this came about. So it's before crazy, we, and here we go. Yes. Before we get into that, I got a, I got a little bone to pick with the, the Parks Department in Tampa. Listen, there's a, oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a phone call from the University of Tennessee police officers, Knoxville police officers, and, uh, and our recording of Jeremy Pruitt talking to an officer while arresting a Tennessee player, giving him a little bit of advice. Hey, man, do your civic duty, okay? Do your civic duty and let my kid off the hook for this. Now, <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into what that kid was dealing with, but somebody in Tampa needs to do their civic duty and leave my guy Tom alone. 
Okay, so let's get into the full breakdown of this. So where Brady is staying is in in Derek Jeter's home. He is renting, and and home doesn't do it justice, guys. You probably have talked about it. Uh, The fans on Winning Cures have probably seen something about it. This thing is a mini hotel. It It is bigger than even a compound. I mean, it is huge. And so that is on an, an island called Davis Island that is right off of downtown Tampa, right behind the hockey arena where the Tampa Bay Lightning play, uh, among other things. And so I used to live on Davis Island when young TJ was a middle schooler and the family moved from Tennessee to Florida. We lived on Davis Island, and I lived about a half mile from where that compound is down on East Davis Boulevard. Now, I'm not going to... I, I'm not going to make it seem like we lived in a ritzy house. We we lived in a lower middle class, one story, probably about 1,800 to 2,000 square foot house, about a half mile down the street. Talk about how the lower half lives or how the other end lives. That's how, that's how we were living. But anyway, I am familiar with the park that they are talking about on Davis Island. Now, let's be serious for half a second. All right, so you're Tom Brady. And you, you do have this compound. I guess you could run laps around the compound, but with everybody floating up on boats on the backside of that residence trying to take pictures and video of him, you knew that would have been on TMZ or on the Internet in a hurry if he's out there in a jogging suit or something trying to get a workout in or do something on the property. So he can't go work out at the Buccaneers facility. Everything is in lockdown mode, so he goes to this park. Now, here's the interesting part of the story. It was not the Tampa police that came and did this. It it was actually an employee of the Tampa Parks and Recreation, a female, and there were numerous people in the park that either jumped over the the lock gate or the, uh, the areas of that park to get into the park and run around and do it. And she went in and she was citing C-I-T-I-N-G, citing everybody that was in there and apparently didn't know who he was <laughs> until she walked up to him and said, I need your name because I am citing you for trespassing here in the park. And how crazy is that part of the story? Oh, just unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. It's, it, it's, it makes you wonder... You know, we're we're so focused on sports that we have no idea how anybody could not know who Tom Brady is. Right. Uh, it, it, there are still a large number of people in this country that would have no idea. Like, he can be in the same city. He could have won all those championships for Tampa. And there are people in Tampa that would not have a clue what he looks That's like. True. So it's, That's it, true. That's true. It kind but of brings you it back think. to reality. Yeah, well, you got to think too, though. Davis Island is not that big. Davis Island's got a few, you know, maybe maybe a thousand homes that are on it. It's got some small businesses and restaurants. Tampa General Hospital, which is the largest hospital in the area, is right across the street from that Brady Jeter compound, and that's it on Davis Island. It's not very big, so it's just interesting that uh, she would be a Parks and Rec employee working at that park and would not know apparently that that's him, even though he lives on Davis Island. But that is that is apparently how the story uh, went down. So, somehow, I don't think there will be any any prosecution um, uh, on the, on this one. Uh, it was just more or less a warning. But he's he's trying to get a workout in. I guess they got to be a little more discreet about where they're going and what they're doing. Now you got that right. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Gronk. You said he met with the media today via a Zoom call. Uh, That's right. What what was it like? I mean, we have how- breaking news. Giannini, <laughs> brother Giannini, you will love this. Gronk's Zoom name was Roberto on, on, the, Gronk, <laughs> on the Gronk call. His, his Zoom name is Roberto, not Roberto Gronk, or just Roberto. He was Roberto on the Gronk, on the, uh, on the Zoom. Uh, so, yes, he was there talking to... Uh, the members of the media, and uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, it, he gave he gave a lot of the answers that you would suspect. They asked him they asked him something very interesting, which was if Tom Brady had elected to stay in New England and play this season, do you believe you would have come out of retirement? And he said, I I really want to play football again. And if Tom was still in New England, I may very well have have said, yeah, let's come back and and, and do this one more time in New England. So I know that doesn't make you feel any better, Brother Giannini, to hear that, but he no, was giving no, some honesty fine. about I, that I part. That yeah. to, I think that goes to exactly what I thought all along. There's a lot of people that are trying to make it a story where Gronk was sick of the Patriot way and was tired of Belichick and didn't want to be there, so he retired. 
because he would rather not play than play for Bill. That 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 is media people trying to write a story because sports have been slow for a long time and they'll get a lot of clicks. There's a and, zero choice chance of that. And he addressed that that very question of did the the whole Belichick way and how tough it is to play for him and the grind really force you into retirement? And he said no. He said the yeah, injury right. part, the the physical part of it, uh, had gotten to the point where his body's breaking down. And the grind of July through January of being able to take all the hits and, and do all the stuff had gotten to him, but now he's had a year plus to to rest up from the NFL beating. But again, he's been learning how to be a professional wrestler and not get himself hurt. And, and look, you guys are into the wrestling, and I'm into the wrestling too. Those guys have to be athletic. They have to be trained and skilled, or else you are going to injure yourself or injure the other wrestler that's involved if you don't know what you're doing. So it's not as if he hasn't been doing anything for the last few months, learning how to be a professional wrestler. So all of this is interesting. I know he's had 12 surgeries by his own uh, admission here on his elbow, on his knee, on his back. Uh, so there's, there's obviously some injury concern here too, even, even though he took the year off from the NFL pounding. Are you, um, it, tell me this, are you at all concerned that the Bucks have made, like they may have gotten jobbed by the Pats here because the, the Pats uh, traded a retired player and a seventh round pick for a fourth round pick at, are the Bucks at all worried about that fourth round pick? Is, I don't is think so. It? Because that was an extra fourth round pick, and the books the Bucks are figuratively pushing all the chips into the middle right now. They are they are doing everything they can to try to win and win huge in twenty twenty if they are able to. There is nothing promised beyond really this season. How do you know what Brady has left? How do you know if Gronkowski can play a second year? All, I mean, all of that is a bonus if it does come back around fifteen eighteen months from now. So we'll, I mean, we'll see, but they, I mean, they have that mentality and that may continue guys. Uh, we morph this into tomorrow night in the draft. Are they going to be, uh, you know, buyers at this point and try to move up in the opening round of the draft, especially if the tackles start coming off the board and the bucks are sitting at 14, might they try to move up with this same mentality here? Uh, and one of the interesting pieces, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, maybe OJ Howard, the former Alabama tight end, and Gary, I know that's one of your guys, uh, the Alabama first-round pick from three years ago may may be part of a package deal to try to move up. How aggressive will the Bucks be with that mentality right now if we want to win and win big in 2020? Well, that's so that's an interesting topic to get into, and, and yeah, let's go ahead and dive into it. Um, you know, one thing that was brought up by multiple people was that's how you know that people don't have a lot of faith in O.J. Howard in the last year of his rookie deal is if he was worth anything, the Pats would have wanted him back in the trade, yeah. right? Pats need a t- tight end. They would rather have a fourth-round pick than O.J. Howard. I-, I think it's only fans that still think O.J. Howard has any value at all. That's it. They're the only people. Everybody in the NFL realizes we got three years of tape on this guy we had a quarterback that had no problems getting playmakers the ball. He couldn't stop turning the ball over. And you can't say, oh, it's the offense, because two of those years was under Dirk Cutter, who just had Austin Hooper, one of the least athletic white guys in the NFL, have a career year and just got paid. So all of the excuses are out there for O.J. Howard, and he's never put up any meaningful numbers in any game outside of college in his life. I think the NFL. No, I don't go the way. Wait, wait, I don't go that far. You're talking. You're talking about somebody that's been at field level for some of the games. OJ Howard like had like five 100 yard games his first year in the league. Had a couple of had a couple of games uh, where he caught multiple touchdown passes. Caught a 75 yard bomb in the uh, in the second game of the season two years ago against the Eagles, where he burned their their linebacker and their safety. It's not as if the guy is inept. As a player, I mean, there have been plenty what, of first right, so round picks. Explain to me why the last two years he's been virtually useless and nobody wants him because he's been on the trading block for a long time. He didn't just get put up there a couple. Of I weeks think ago. I think that the new coaching staff has questions about him and about the total the total commitment to what they're trying to do and the two tight end thing, and so maybe he is expendable to them for that reason. But obviously, they didn't trade him, to your point, last year. They could have maybe traded him at the trading deadline and did not trade him. 
And so now you've got all this talk that maybe they will trade him, and then again, maybe they won't. I mean, there's a, on the flip side, there's a legitimate argument that Gronkowski's not going to play 16 games for you, that he may not be healthy for all of them, and he may get, he may get hurt enough where he misses several because of an injury, and you can't have enough depth. He is, he is big and he is talented, and I don't know that it's the smartest thing to just write him off in, on any team in any situation. There are far more examples of guys who have done nothing, and, and, and O.J. is not a guy who's done nothing. Uh, you know, I remember uh, field level a game against the New York Giants where he burned them on, a, on another bomb on a Jameis bootleg for about a 70-yard touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter of a Giants game as well. The guy can get deep and can make some plays. So uh, we shall see. We we shall see uh, if the I mean, Bucks hang on to him few, or if another you're team. You're pulling a few big plays, but he's been in the league for three years. If if you don't have a few big plays and a few big games in three years, I can't explain this. I just don't. Uh, overall, as his career, I, I've just heard too many people make too many excuses. They said that you know his, his, his the last year that the the coaching staff didn't like him and and don't run through the tight ends, which Bruce Arians does not run through the tight ends. That's fine. But how do you explain Dirk Cotter being his coach for two of those years and Dirk Cutter's first year as an OC back in Atlanta and then his previous years as an OC has always gotten the ball to the tight end? I, I just I, I just see too many people making too many mistakes. The guy that this reminds me of on a on a bigger level than him is Sammy Watkins. Everybody tried to make Sammy Watkins a thing, and it was always his quarterback, his coach, his offensive, yada, yada, yada. And now He's the number two or number three option on a team, and he does just fine. But that's not why you drafted Sammy Watkins. But people just kept making excuses for why he wasn't elite, why he didn't turn into this great player. People talked about the big three before Grant got there, and they kept throwing OJ's name out there for Tom Brady. And I thought, I, I just that's, don't get it. Cameron Brady's twice the man he is when it comes to looking at the production. Is he as athletic? No. It, but for some reason, he produces, outproduces him head and shoulders. Yeah. Michael jumped in on Twitch, by the way. Uh, he said fans and Gary, LOL. Uh, well, Alabama fans and Tampa fans. Those yeah. are the two fans. They're the only fans. <laughs> well, that's what I said. I said I'm considered Bama a fan. fans and Tampa fans are married to this guy. At some point in time, I, Gary, you've, you know this is my philosophy about everything in life, okay? It's not just sports. It's about relationships. It's about jobs. It's about everything. It, my grandfather taught me one thing when I was a child. I was four to five years old when he told me this. I remember it like it was yesterday. As soon as you have a losing hand, fold it. Yes, that's that's a good point. Uh, Michael also said, "Fan or Homer, I don't see you asking for the Steelers to get him. Uh, the Steelers are set up at tight end. Like we're the Steelers are fine. They are. That's I I think so. <laughs> they are. That's <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. I, look, here's the deal. I want him to go somewhere where he can play, uh, and I think he can play." In Tampa, uh, because I do think that TJ is right about the fact that uh, I don't know that Gronk is going to play 16 games and then and then play through the playoffs. Okay, well, he hadn't done it in years. Games. So and if he does, he'll be very he'll be on a snap count. Yeah, it's, I I just I don't see that happening. And we I understand fully where uh, Chris stands, and so Chris, you're willing to say after Thursday night if the Bucks trade him somewhere for something in return that obviously somebody else thinks he can play. In the NFL, well, it depends on what if they get. I mean, if they if they get a third or a fourth round pick for him, I don't think that team thinks he can play. I just think that team was moving out of out of whatever position they were in. I mean, it, it yeah, it depends on what the Nobody on deal Thursday is, is going to trade a first round pick for OJ Howard. I, Probably I not. A no, substantial amount of money on that. Yeah, uh, let's. TJ. We will see. And one and one other point, one other larger point this year will be no exception. About three quarters of the names that you hear on Thursday night aren't going to make much of an impact on your team. That's it's right. usually about 100%. 10. Yep. It's about 10 to maybe 15 at the most. A lot of years, more than likely closer yeah. to 10 that really make an impact. And about 20 of the guys that you're going to hear that that's going to be the big moment for them is walking up, not this case, but walking up on the stage, typically with Goodell, have the Jersey, have the hat, the whole bit. And then, I mean, you could, go down the laundry list of even recent drafts of, of three years ago, four years ago, where are these guys? And, right. and so that's a lot of the NFL. But we, we uh, we'll see. So many players, because they get drafted on in the first round, are going to be just lights out monster studs. And 
And they're not. You, you just can't chalk all these guys up to being sure things. No, you got that right. Here's the biggest thing that I was taught many years ago, and it's not that profound, but it, it bears repeating and, and reinforcing. When you see guys in college, a lot of times they are physically more talented and better than who they're going against, especially on a regular basis. In the NFL, it's even. Or a lot of the guys you're going against are better than you, more experienced than you, and more talented than you are. <laughs> and so that's when, the, that's when you get exposed. So you yep. get away with, I was bigger, I was faster, I was better than most of the teams I was going against in college because it's college. But in the NFL, the elite of the elite – you are not going to get away with simply being bigger or being faster. You're going to have to get by because you are as talented, more talented, work harder, improve chemistry with those around you, those kind of things, or else you won't. It's very rare that anybody just gets by on, uh, on talent alone or one aspect of their game alone. Uh, it's, it's very rare. Everybody can play. They, they have found players – from all, all different schools, all different levels who can all play, who are all big, who are all fast, who can all run. And you better be equal to them, and you better want it, and you better be in your playbook and all of those things. So I agree on that. Let's uh, yeah. Now, we did bring this topic up. Let's go ahead and rehash it a little bit. Uh, the Bucks are they buyers in the draft or not? Are they looking to move up in the first? What, what would you think the the emphasis is for the Buccaneers on draft night? I, you know, there's two things. The first thing is, do the tackles start getting taken? Because offensive tackle seems to be conventional wisdom on what the Bucks want. So up in front of them, around four, around six or seven, six is still the Chargers at the moment, who apparently need a quarterback. At seven, at eight, in front of the Bucks at 14, do the tackles start getting taken, and does that spook them? Does that make them... Uh, want to move up from 14 maybe to 10 or something like that to grab one of these guys that's out there uh, at tackle. So we'll see. We'll, we'll try to, to determine that as, the, as everything unfolds. And here's another important point. Jason Light, in his history as the Bucks GM, and this will now be his seventh draft uh, as the Bucks general manager, has never traded up in the first round. He has traded back, I believe, on three occasions, and usually it's only back a spot or two something like that to acquire a later pick. So just file those two things away. Did the tackle start coming off the board, which would be a Buccaneer need? And he's not a guy that has moved up before, but like we were talking about earlier in the conversation, maybe this is an all chips in the middle of the table here, year in 2020, and try to trade up and go get that tackle to help out. Chris, before we went live, that's one thing that you brought up was the idea of moving up in the draft is – uh, for the most part, a bad idea. Can you talk about that? Uh, about that situation? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, my, Mike, I like listening to Mike Lombardi. Um, he he's just he's been a GM. He's been a, a player personnel guy for a lot of different teams. Um, he's been in a ton of locker rooms uh, or front offices more than locker rooms, and, and he knows how to run these teams. And he is a just vehement believer. He's talked to a lot of people. Anybody you're willing to move up for has to be a quarterback because they're the only position that can really change your franchise's career forever. Um, and he just thinks draft picks are too valuable to move up for any other position. A because it's a 30% chance that the guy is going to be, or a 60% chance that the guy is going to be it or not. So you've got about 40% chance that you're going to miss on the pick, and nobody wants to think that. But why would you spend extra assets on? you know, what's a little bit better than a coin flip and if you've done your due diligence. And um, and and then at a position that just doesn't seem to affect the game the way quarterbacks do, just stay where you're at and 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 get your guy, uh, you know, look at the board and, and take whoever you can, which is why he's a believer of moving back a lot. You see Belichick do it, um, but, but that's not Bill. A lot of people do it. The Ravens moved back three times a year. They got Lamar Jackson. And, and they completely reworked a lot of their their team in that one draft. So, um, I, I, I'm I'm of that mindset. I think if you move up for a player and it's not a quarterback, you wasted a move. Well, and generally speaking, you are correct. Uh, it is such a quarterback driven league. Yes, but two two of them came to mind. One of them recent and one of them distant. But they're both great examples. The Atlanta Falcons 
traded a boatload of picks to move up at least 10 spots, and it may have been more. We have to look it up. With the Cleveland Browns, yes, the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> to go get a guy named Julio Jones because they were in love with what Julio Jones could bring them, pairing him with Matt Ryan, helping their offense. I think that worked out really well for the Falcons, and the Browns are still the Browns. So we have that. And then the, the one thing I was thinking when you were talking about that, yes, the NFL has changed greatly, but this is now the 25th anniversary of arguably the greatest Buccaneer draft that they've ever had in the opening round where they traded down and were able to still get a guy by the name of Warren Sapp, whose stock was falling uh, because of drug rumors and, and question marks about his character. Uh, remember, the Philadelphia Eagles very famously took a guy named Mike Mamula because he looked so good in a T-shirt and shorts at the Combine with all the workouts, and they just totally ignored the fact that he was playing at Boston College and what his game tape looked like versus what Warren Sapp looked like at the University of Miami at the highest level. So the Bucks traded down, but then then decided in the in the late stages of the first round, which was taking forever back in 1995, 15 minutes a pick, and they would even take longer than that, it seemed like, at times. So the first round literally took like almost seven hours for it to unfold. And that, those were the days, guys, when they did like the first three rounds on Saturday and then the rest of the draft on Sunday. That Saturday started at noon and didn't end until almost midnight because of how long the oh, first yeah. round was that year. But the Bucks jumped back in the first round making a trade with Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys and drafting a guy by the name of Derek Brooks, who they believed, having watched him at Florida State, projected to be a big-time hitter, a big-time linebacker, a little undersized. Everybody ridiculed him for doing it. Brooks and Sapp both in the Hall of Fame and helped the Buccaneers win a Super Bowl. So there are examples of... Uh, that it has worked out for a team, but by and large, if you're not doing it for a quarterback, it's probably a mistake. I would agree. Let's let's dive into this one really quick. I uh, I texted you just a short time ago and told you I was going to be asking this. Um, now, this does not have to be a first-round player. Obviously, this can be somebody with second-round, third-round grade, whatever it is. Uh, but the player that you most hope the Bucks draft this weekend, whether it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, who do you hope that they get that fits in best with the scheme and can help them win? Give me a tackle. I'll go. I'll go off the buffet <laughs> and take any of those guys in the opening round. I don't think Jedrick Wills is going to be there uh, when they pick at fourteen. They'd have to move up for him, the Alabama tackle that you, I know you're more fond of, Gary, uh, with the tide stuff. But uh, whether it's Makai Beckton or any of those guys, take a look at a, at a tackle, and they do need a running back. I don't think it's going to be running back in the opening round. That could be your guy, uh, Edward Zolaire there That's, from LSU. I would, I would take him in the second round. I would, I that, would, I would, would wait be, for the third. Keep an, eye on, keep an eye on that name or a couple of other running back names in the second round or the third round that, that have no pressure on them to get to come play with Tom Brady. So offensive tackle first and then one of those running backs. That's, running, I, I, running back second round. Let me go on and tell you this. I wouldn't touch Makai Becton with anything. Uh, nothing. No, no 10-foot pole, no nothing. Uh, he, he looks great. It, it's one of those guys that you were talking about the Eagles took because he looked good in yep. shorts and T-shirt. Yep. Like, I understand he ran a 5-1, and he's six foot seven, 360-plus pounds. I get that. And, and you can't teach size, right? We've all heard the cliche. But if you go back and look, he ranked number 118 and number 108 in Pro Football Focus's uh, rankings for an offensive tackle in his first two years. This past year, he ranked number 30. But... If you look at what was going on with Scott Satterfield's offense at Louisville, they only ran 73 true pass sets at Louisville last season. 73. And on eight of them, he allowed pressure. That is a terrible percentage. He is not good with footwork. His tape is awful. And he's still a massive, gargantuan human. But I wouldn't touch him if I were the if I were the Bucks because it's going to take a long time to develop that guy. Uh, McKinnon jumped in on Facebook. He said odds that the Bucks go after Fournette and get rid of the tight end, uh, two birds with one stone zero. potentially. What was that, Chris? Chris zero. dismissed it at zero. Hey, Fournette's name is being bantied around, and that I mean, it might not be that far fetched. I don't know that. I don't. I think they're going to have a hard time finding trade partners. I agree. Well, but the the premise is: Would you swap? Howard for Fournette, 
both on rookie contracts to make it to make it work, final year of rookie contracts, maybe that's something you, Jacksonville would be interested in. I don't deal, know. If I yeah. wanted somebody on a prove-it deal, then I probably would take Fournette. I would still draft one of these running backs. Gary and I have had this conversation so many times. I, I would draft a rookie running back every four years. I'd run them to the ground, and then as soon as they're free, I'd apologize <laughs> to my fans for buying all their jerseys. I'd let them walk, and I'd draft another one. Yeah. They'd never get a contract from me. Yeah, what's amazing on that point is it used to be such a running back-centric draft and first round that yep. every year you'd have five or six or seven running backs being taken. And now it's, oh, my God, they took a running back in the first round. It's amazing, it's amazing how and things have changed have come out of the now in the 21st. Have, have been amazing for the first couple of years, and then they hit a cliff, they all get paid, and they fall to their death. And I just don't want any part of tying up. It's a hard cap league, and I need as much money going to the trenches, to the quarterback, and to the receivers. I can find running backs off of scrap heaps. I can run by committee all day long. I can figure it out. I mean, the best running back on the Rams. My entire life. Yeah. I watched them do it my entire life. The best running back on the Rams in the Super Bowl year was C.J. Anderson, and he played for three teams that year. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane. And, so, and well, and like Chris was saying, the Patriots, the Patriots have been give me just anybody that we can work in, fit them in, contract-friendly, and we'll rock and roll with whoever it is and change them out every year or two. I, I will say this, though. I mean, this is like is, is this is like radio days. Is this write-off Wednesday for Chris Giannini? Are you writing off <laughs> Christian McCaffrey and that new deal? Are you writing off... That, that Ezekiel oh, Elliott is I not going to be high level McCaffrey. for the next three or four years? Every deal we have seen running backs get in the modern-day times, we all keep saying, I know running backs aren't worth it, but I think this guy is different. I know the numbers say it's not going to work, but I think this guy is different. And I catch myself saying that about McCaffrey. Well, he's just a different kind of player, so he won't fall off the cliff the way the other guy. There's just no way I'd have, paid. I'd have let him – I'd have used him. I might have franchised him one more year. So you could have played – I think he would. you could have gotten control over him two more seasons, and then you'd let somebody else pay him that absorbent amount of money. I'm just sorry. I know it's a dirty league. And I know it's hard for the fans who are in love with these guys, but it's a business and we got to win championships. And unless you're going to be James White and Brandon Bolin, those are the two guys for the Patriots that have been there the longest right now. Two running backs that, that probably couldn't make most rosters. Well, James White probably could. Brandon Bolden, no chance. No chance. He was a bum coming out of Ole Miss. He's been with them for 11 years. <laughs> and never really got paid. He just took whatever no, he was offered. he makes the league minimum. He shows up, and he gets meaningful minutes in playoff games. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, TJ, let's see. Well, McKenna jumps in with a question. TJ, I'm going to get your, uh, your opinion on this. Will Brady need a solid run game in his older age to help win? Uh, my thought is... Yes, 100%. You always need, uh, he said, don't get me wrong, he's still TB12, but time gets us all eventually. I, I think even if he was in his prime, you still need a, a running game. You need somebody to, to take some pressure off to get the safeties up to the line of scrimmage to open up that passing game. So, 100%. TJ, you, uh, you in agreement there? Agreed. And the Bucks have a guy on the roster from a couple of years ago as a second-round pick in who, uh, again, you're extolling the virtues of Dirk Cutter, and I'm not, I'm not revealing a nuclear secret, but Dirk Cutter and his offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, wrote off, speaking of right off Wednesday, they wrote off Ronald Jones and thought he was a bust and didn't think he was any good and didn't think he uh, could catch the football, and that's still maybe a little bit of an unknown. But the new coaching staff goes, comes in, instills a little confidence in him, and Ronald Jones was running downhill at people, over people for a lot of last season. He didn't have a spectacular year, but he had a really good year. He had a really enjoyable game in the in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium against the Falcons and Dirk Cutter where he bulldozed about three Falcon defenders for a touchdown and ran for close to 100 yards in that game. I think Ronald I think Ronald Jones is in a great situation and in a great position to rack up a lot of yards, a lot of goal line carries and and chances to score and I like him. I I think he has a lot of upside and now let's see if they get somebody to compliment him that can catch the football. Am I correct that Deion Lewis 
after the Titans released him, is still a free agent and is still out there, right? Yes, he is. So yeah, he's still a free that, agent. I that name – that's right. Keep an eye on that name. You you think that, that Gronkowski's the only guy having conversations with Tom Brady? I bet you Deion Lewis is having conversations with Tom Brady. I, get in here on a one-year deal, and let's go win a title in Tampa catching the ball out of the backfield. Let's see what happens. That's, I'm, I'm with you. I'll tell you my answer to that question is is I just trust Bruce Arians. I, I don't know what the offense is going to look like. That guy's had offenses that were run heavy. That guy's had all – he just says, what are my skill players? What do the guys around me, what can they do? And I build an offense around that. He's very Belichickian. I trust yeah. Byron Leftwich. I, I think Bruce Arians is one of – I mean, other than Bill, he's my favorite man in the NFL, in front office, in coaching and everything. I just trust him. I always have. And, and I, like I said, I've seen him do it with a big running game and couldn't throw the ball. I've seen him throw the ball over the place and didn't run it at all. He, it just give me the weapons I got and I'll make, I'll make chicken salad. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's very Belichickian. He, he takes what he's got and finds a way to win with it. And I mean, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, TJ, we're going to let you out of here momentarily, but before we do that, I want to move off the bucks for just a minute I want your other thoughts on the NFL draft. What what else do we need to look for on Thursday night, Friday night, etc.? cetera? Uh, g- give me something interesting here for us to pay attention to. I got to cop out. The three letters, T-U-A, Tua. Where does he go, and does somebody make the big move, like we were just theorizing a few minutes ago, to jump up in front of Miami at five? Does Miami go ahead and jump up to try to grab him? And look, you, you talk, uh, Chris, about these different personnel guys. I was just watching ESPN uh, a little while ago, and I, I'm listening to Mike Tannenbaum, who was deposed, dumped by the Miami Dolphins for a bunch of bad personnel moves, who's on the air talking about how there's no comparison. You take Justin Herbert and you don't take Tua Tagovailoa, and I'm just laughing like I'm laughing right now. Did we watch the same games? Did we watch Justin Herbert struggle in the Pac-12 for a lot of the last couple of years? At times looks great, but a lot of times struggle. And we look at a Tua who was lethal in the SEC, the highest level of football in college football, and we're going to compare those two guys and say, take Justin Herbert because he's the prototype 6'5 quarterback with the bigger arm, please. Uh, to me, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's idiotic that you would take Herbert first. And I think the, the Dolphins or someone else may be jumping into that top five to grab him. That is, that's what I'm most intrigued about early on in this draft. And who is that? And, uh, and from there, let's just see uh, how the rest of the first round starts to unfold. I'm obviously very curious about whether the Bucks can get an offensive lineman. Do they trade up? Do they trade back? But uh, yeah, they're, they're the receivers, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, C.D. Lamb, your guy Justin Jefferson out of LSU. How many receivers are going in this first round? Is it four of them? Is it five of them? Uh, how many of them go quickly in the top ten? Is there a run on receivers in the top ten, top fifteen? We'll see. We'll see what the, that that's that's what's going to be amazing. Um, I, I will leave you with this: We always think we have it figured out in the NFL draft and and, and know what teams are going to do. And then, like I was watching the other night in the 89 draft, everybody everybody thought Tony Mandrich was going to be the greatest tackle to play pro football, and ESPN was replaying the 89 draft, and the, the Packers end up taking Tony Mandrich instead of taking Barry Sanders. And the Detroit Lions said, thank you very much, and Barry Sanders is in the Hall of Fame. So we think we know. But really, we don't know and uh, with a lot of these guys. And so that's part of the drama, part of the reality TV, for sure. You got that right. This is, uh, it, I mean, it is being billed as one of the most unpredictable drafts that we have ever had. Uh, and I cannot wait for it. I can't wait to see what your bucks do. I can't wait to see what anybody else does. <laughs> so, yes, we're, we're all interested. And again, if that Chicago Bulls debut documentary the other night, which was phenomenal, where we already know what's going to happen. The Bulls win the championship in the last dance, right, in the six, in the 10-part series. But the debut episode had 6.5 million people watching. Incredible for something that where we know what's going to happen. And now we got something where we don't know what's going to happen on Thursday night. We don't know who's going to trade and who, do, who does what. There's going to be 15 or 20 million people that are oh, going to yeah. be watching this tomorrow night. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be college football playoff numbers. It, it's going to be insane. <laughs> And I, I cannot wait for it. TJ, 
You are the best. Everybody go find him on Twitter, at BuckSidelineGuy. He is the host of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. You can find that on Twitter, at Three Dog Thursday. Uh, TJ, you are a blast. Thank you so much for jumping in, brother. Winning cures everything, dudes. I always love being with you. Yes, on Three Dog Thursday, find the podcast. Lots more on the draft, on some gambling odds, on the Alabama guys, uh, and more on Three Dog Thursday. So thank you for that plug. Viva la draft, the NFL, coming up. We are looking forward to that. Always great to be with you. See you later. Of course. Be good, brother. TJ Reeves. Good gracious. Yes, everybody go follow him uh, at Buckside Guy, at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter, and make sure you subscribe to his podcast. He's, uh, I mean, he does it all. He does it all. He's also hosting the uh, the official Bucks Draft radio show on their flagship station, and on the Buccaneers app. So if uh, if you want to follow in on the Bucks, you can go knock that out. Chris, uh, it, is there anything else we need to hit today? I hadn't seen any breaking news here lately. Got a little breaking news right now. Do we? A little sports related. Okay. Next month, golf is going to reboot the match, and it is official that it will be Tiger, Phil, Peyton, and Tommy. Wait, Peyton and Tommy? Wow, that is. Uh, I, just, I just got it across the wire on on Yahoo while while he was going. While wow, you were, we're wrapping that up. It is it is official. I'm trying to get a date. The That's, money is going to go. They're going to raise money for COVID relief. Um, huh. That's okay. Okay, I'm in with that. I'm in with that. It, uh, all right. So they're all. Oh, Michael just so, jumped in. There's even more break. Uh, Trey Burton to Indy. Okay. I can get down with that. So so the event is going to have a $9 million prize. Okay. Oh, no, they're saying Mickelson. Oh, this is just rebooting last year. They're, they're rehashing out what happened last year. All right. Um, I don't have a date. I'm not seeing a date. It's going to be on TNT this year, though. Uh, that's Didn't they move some Way of that better. to TNT last year? No, it was on pay-per-view last year. Yeah, but I, I thought they uh, I thought they moved like the uh, – the last re, part of it. They might have re-aired it, but they it, it, uh, maybe it never so. played live on TNT. Yeah, because a lot of people were having trouble with the pay-per-view. That was uh that was strange. That was strange. Um, I can't I can't find I can't find any date. It just says they're gonna do it next month, is all it says. Okay, so they may just be they may be hashing out the details and they just wanted to go ahead and announce it. Yeah, I could probably. I could buy that. I could buy that. Okay. Yeah, I'm good it, with that. I'll take it. I'm good with that. So, McKinnon did jump in on uh, Facebook. He said, love my Auburn Tigers. They weren't great last year, but they gave Herbert all they wanted and more. I'm damn glad to be rid of Tua as an Auburn fan. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've we been through all of this. We understand that uh, Tua looks better on tape, uh, but Justin Herbert does not have the medical issues that Tua does. So, And, and, and to be fair, though, I mean, so you and I talked a little bit this off camera. Tua has more issues than medical for non-college football fans. And – we assume because we cater to all football and we love all football, these NFL locker rooms are not that, okay? They are GMs. The reason Mike Tannenbaum is critical of Tua and, and so in love with Herbert is because while Mike Tannenbaum watches highlight reels and he watches the film on all these guys, but he also assumes they're not playing equal caliber, you know, they're not playing with equal caliber either. So while the talent in the SEC is better, it's really only better at the top. And yeah. Alabama played two tough teams all year, and he lost both of them. Now, Tua didn't play in both those games. Yeah, but he only played. They only played two good teams the entire calendar year. They played two good teams. Yeah. So, you know, was he really tested? Herbert was probably tested more than him. So they don't look at those things. They look at measurables and they look at things that they can grade, things that they can quantify. All right. And, and if you listen to Mike Lombardi, I'm, I'm going to give him a spiel. I'm, I'm pretty much going to regurgitate as much of it as I can. But go listen to the GM Shuffle from today. This is Wednesday, uh, the 20, what's today, the 22nd version of the GM Shuffle. And he, he covers this well. It's, it's not that there are knocks on Tua and people watch him play and they don't like him. They're, they have to grade him, okay? They grade yeah. every player. And so they give him a grade, but then next to him, he's got three red flags. It's not just medical. He's got medical. It's going to give him an X. He's got a U for being undersized. And immediately everyone starts, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got all these other quarterbacks that are undersized too. 
outside of Drew Brees, none of those quarterbacks have been great, okay? We thought Baker wasn't going to be bad and the size wasn't going to affect him, and then we realized, oh, maybe he's not as great as we thought they were. We got like six minutes of Kyler Murray. We, we don't really know. So, so he is undersized. It's a red flag. And then the third thing is speed. He didn't run the 40, so therefore they're assuming that he said any general manager out there, if a player doesn't run the 40 in a pro day or at the combine at all, and you don't have tape of them being elite speed, you assume they are slow. Yeah. So he's going to have an X next to his name for every general manager out there, all 32. He's going to have a U next to his name, and he's going to have an S next to his name. And he said he's going to have three markers to identify red flags. And while we say, look at the tape, look at the tape, look at the tape, I'm a big look at the tape guy. Tell me, can you play, can you not? I understand these people that say, when I watch his highlight reels, I can make anybody look good in a highlight reel. Yeah. And I don't really know all of these guys he's playing against because TJ brought it up. It's not apples to apples like it is in the NFL. You can look like a badass offensive lineman, when you got to play against all these soft teams, you know, but, but when you play against Clemson, how did you look? Well, I got one tape. I might only have two quarters of tape where I can actually really evaluate somebody yeah. on what they are and what they're not. It's hard to do. It's yeah. really hard to do. It really is, is why you have to measure. It's why they check all these other things. That is also the reason you get Mitchell Trubisky over. Um, Deshaun um, Watson. Deshaun Watson. That's yeah. That's why. It, it's why Patrick Mahomes goes 12 instead of, you know, top five. Well, the argument is really Mitchell and Watson. It wasn't really Mahomes. Mahomes had red flags, too. Yeah, Mahomes that's, that's had, what I'm saying. Like him. But, but the biggest thing is, is while what hurt Mahomes was strictly the fact of Texas Tech. That's yeah. it. The stink of Texas Tech of how great was he. Every quarterback that has played there for the last 20 years has put up gaudy numbers, and none of them have been good pros. You're so, right. So there's a stigma there that hurt Mahomes. I get that. That stigma was not there for Watson, but they 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 saw Watson's tape, and everybody inside said Watson's better than him. But he's got he's got markers next to him. He's got red flags. I I at least understand that. I don't I don't always agree with it, but I can yeah, see so- how 30 teams could say I'm not interested in this guy. Now it only takes one or two teams to be interested in him and say I'm going up and getting him. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% true. McKinnon jumped in. He asked GM Shuffle Podcast. Yes, GM Shuffle. Uh, GM Shuffle Podcast. I give him a plug. Whether you like Lombardi, you hate Lombardi. Lombardi has been in a lot of front offices. He yes. knows what he is talking about. The guy worked under Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, and Bill Belichick. And he will tell you the best Al Davis stories of all time. <laughs> His, his favorite draft that he gets criticized for relentlessly is the Jamarcus Russell draft. And people criticized him for the Jamarcus Russell because he was a front office guy during that time for the Raiders. And he said, I wasn't even in the building. Al sent me on an errand because he knew I wouldn't let him make the pick. Lane Kiffin, two hours before that draft, great story, is calling up Lombardi knowing Lombardi's going to get fired as soon as this draft is over with, saying, how can we talk him out of this? How can we talk him out of this? And that's just one of those situations where the owner said, it's my team. It's my team, yeah, and I'm I taking want who this I want. guy, and I don't care what every scout, every coach, every professional that says, I don't care. I'm getting my guy. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You are 100% right. Uh, Michael jumped in on Twitch. He said, I wouldn't take either early. Teams are just too desperate for quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. I mean, you need to build the team around the quarterback before you even get the quarterback. So, I, we, like, we it's why the Dolphins don't need a None of these guys are great. We assume that there's a great quarterback that comes out of every draft. And, and, and there's a world in which neither one of these guys turns into Watson or Mahomes, and they all are Trubisky. And, and we need to remember that that's a possibility. That, that Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen draft that we all thought was going to be all three big quarterbacks, could it be Eli Rivers and Ben? Hell no. It, Baker's the only one that's got a chance to maybe be good, and, and I don't know. I got to see massive improvements this year or I'm out. I'm yeah. out. I just think that could have – so we all left that draft and we all thought we got three quarterbacks that are all going to be elite and they're going to change the league. And brother, we, nope. it's just 
It's just not how it worked, man. You got a whole year where all of them are bust. That's okay. It's going to happen. Yeah, that happens from time to time. It is what it is. It is what it is. Chris, this has been fantastic. We will be back again tomorrow. We're going to do a shorter show tomorrow because we're going to be live streaming for two and a half hours tomorrow night. Uh, But we'll jump in with some news. Whatever is hot, whatever's going on, we are going to get on here and talk about it. If you would, share the show out. We appreciate all of you guys for jumping in. Michael said, thanks, fellas. Always enjoy it. We always appreciate you guys for jumping in the comments. You uh, you help make this show run on a daily basis. We definitely Thank you. We do appreciate, appreciate it. it. Share it out. Tell somebody about it. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And leave a nice review. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Subscribe on Facebook, Periscope, Twitch, and YouTube, and the podcast. Of course, subscribe everywhere. Do all that thing. Um, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. I believe there's still people jumping in the chat, but you guys can keep talking. Do your thing. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Go to winningcureseverything.com. We will see you all again tomorrow. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com, or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.